You're listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast. Accelerate your mindset, collaboration and performance by developing limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams and organizations. Now, over to your host, Renee Jerusso. Hello and welcome to the Limitless Leaders Podcast with 2021 in the rearview mirror now. And I'm super excited to introduce you to today's guest, David Frizzell, who is the founder of the Team Guru podcast that's been running since 2015 and has launched over 170 episodes. This podcast is all about bringing to life the principles and theories of leadership. And David's podcast is a way to support people who are on a conscious journey of personal and professional development. His goal is to deliver useful ideas, powerful concepts and practical tips that can help people improve their approach to life and leadership. Welcome, David. Thank you, Renee. It's an absolute pleasure to be on your podcast. Yes, it is. And I was I was on yours last year and absolutely loved our conversation. And, you know, um, the Limitless Leaders podcast has a very, very similar purpose to the Team Guru podcast in, you know, contributing to anyone that listens in globally to give them insights, experience and, and share, you know, insights from people such as yourself. David, I'd love to kick off today and hear about, you know, where... What, what's got you to where you are today? You know, I always say we're always becoming the next version of ourselves. It's a continual evolution. And I'd really love to, yeah, just, just paint a picture for our listeners around what sort of led you to do what you're doing today. You know, it's, it's, I always think about a line that I heard from Steve Jobs or read in Steve Jobs's book that we connect the dots backwards you know the idea of planning and out into our career in, into the future is is great positive thing to do to be encouraged but it actually makes a lot more sense looking backwards and and for me my time in in my career you know to you know, for want of a better word, makes a lot of sense to me backwards. I started my career as a high school English teacher. That was my degree. That's what I studied at university. And I worked as a a classroom teacher for 10 or 11 years. I spent some time as a deputy principal towards the end of my time in education. And I always think of teaching and my time in education as an amazing starter career. I mean, teaching is an amazing career if you want to do it until the day you retire but the purpose it served in for me in my career has been an incredible base of skills that are really important in the work that I do now in life in in everything that I do so teaching set me up it gave me a lot of fantastic skills Mm. and some knowledge and some experience and that really served me when I changed careers and moved into I guess a management consulting space Uh, But there was a little step in the middle where I started working for a management consultant to help develop learning programs for private organizations. And that was a really logical leap for me, you know, getting out of education, starting in the private sector, which, by the way, was a complete eye opener for a guy who'd been to school, been to uni and then gone back to school for more than a decade. The private sector was a huge eye opener to me. And I still remember those early days and how amazing I found everything, you know, the the physical mm. environment, the language that people used, the purpose, all of those things were, were brand new. And my teaching career gave me a really, really good base for all of that. So I guess that's where I've come from. And, and the thing that's been constant through all of that is the emphasis on effective communication and yeah. the skills that I developed as a classroom teacher. And there is no better teacher than being a teacher and standing in front of a classroom of kids who not always want to be there. And you're, you're charged with entertaining them for 40 minutes or an hour and a half or however long the lesson is and getting them through the day and through the term and through the year. And those, those kind of harsh critics that teenagers can be are an excellent way to develop your skills. So when I look back through all of those stages of my career and, and now, you know, doing my own thing in, 
the communication and leadership space, mm. uh, having the podcast for a number of years now. The, the steps make sense in, in reverse when I look back over them. The, the development makes sense and, and the emphasis through all of that for me has been on the power of communication. Absolutely love that. And I think you're right. Every, everything you do in the past is a building block and, and gives you the skills for what's next. And, and I think that whole purpose piece as well. I love what you're saying because obviously I'm in the, the, the same sort of space. And for me, communication, you know, if people say you do a lot around leadership, if I had one word for it all, it's around communication. Mm. And it's, it's so important. And I think, you know, it's always been important. It always will be. But I think in this new, what I call this next normal, this new world, would you agree communication, you know, and the modes of it, you know, have expanded with virtual and, you know, all that sort of thing. Would you agree that it, it's it's even more important than ever to really have c- communication that cuts through so you connect, not just be heard? Yeah, most definitely. And, and I think one of the things that we've learned over the last couple of years with virtual meetings, and I guess largely that's what you're talking about. That's what the big change has been for so many of us and working in, in mixed teams, teams where some people are working remote, some people are in the office and that can change from day to day. I think that's the challenge that a lot of us are facing now. So yeah, communication is super important in that environment, but it always has been in every environment that we've been in. Communication was important before COVID. It's important now as we get used to the new normal and it will be important forever. And yeah. I think the the virtual environment has simply emphasized the importance for that. And I think sometimes the virtual environment kind of exaggerates uh, people who are good communicators are, are really good online and they can be yeah. really engaging in a, in a difficult environment in which to be engaging. Mm. And at the same time, people who lack confidence with their ability to communicate verbally um, are also sort of put under the spotlight in the virtual environment because it highlights that yeah. because you have very few other tools when you're online than your voice. I mean, yeah. you can make gestures and I can see you gesturing right now and that's a, a powerful element of communication online our voice is super important. And for those of us who are confident speaking and and are clear with what we talk about, it can be a powerful tool. And, and as I say, the opposite is true as well for those who aren't so confident or practiced. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's the energy too. You know, you're probably a bit the same the last few years. We, we put everything online and we're getting amazing results. And I think it is, it's, it's really, it's amplified and, and the importance of adapting, you know, to the virtual world, because, you know, we all know people that haven't, um, that sort of get on, get run a workshop or coach or do a keynote via Zoom or Teams and, and just take, I guess, practice what they're practicing in a room. And I think it's really shaken that up it, it excites me because I think it really, you're growing in other areas and, um, you know, something And for those listeners out there presenting virtually, you know, the screen sucks 55% of your energy. So if you're already, I'm quite an energetic person, but I still put that extra 55% in because that's what people I think can feel through a screen mm, and keeps people engaged and, um, and energised. I've always had, David, the the sort of definition of communication for me is the response you get mm. and, you know, you've got to shape and shift your message to, to get that response even if you've been told you're a great communicator. If you're not getting back what you need from your, your team or whoever, you know, you're communicating with you in a room or on a Zoom, you need to be shaping and shifting um, your message until you do. Yeah. yeah no doubt about that. So um, with, with leadership, you know, leadership's a bit of a buzzword. It's, it's, it's a very, for me, leadership's sort of like a movie title. There's so much in there, including communication. What does, what does leadership mean to you when you hear that word? Oh, look, we could speak for months in a, on an endless podcast about the topic of leadership. It is a great, big, hairy topic, it is. and we, we're not going to even scratch the surface of it in, in one podcast episode, which is why I have 170 episodes of a podcast and still going. I mean, there's no end in sight because there are so many different valuable conversations and angles about which you can talk about leadership. Um, but, but I guess if, if I have one message and if listeners were to remember one thing from, from our 
our chat tonight, it is that for me, cliche alert, but for me, leadership starts with yourself. The most difficult person to lead is yourself. The greatest responsibility you have as a leader is to lead yourself. And there are a a whole lot of important things about leading teams and leading individuals and leading organizations. And, and that's why there are a million books printed on that, printed on those topics. But in order to lead any of that stuff effectively, of course, you've got to be able to lead yourself. And when we think about our own experiences in the workplace or just in life, it could be at a, at a community group or anywhere in our world, those people who we think of as effective leaders are almost without exception, people who are really good at leading themselves first. And the same is true for the other end of the scale. People who haven't grabbed our attention as leaders, who, who haven't inspired us, or even worse, people who have repelled us and been very Mm. difficult to work with as inverted commas leaders are often people who struggle with the most important part of being a leader and and that is leading themselves. And I I just think that that is such a rich topic and you you can't hear that message too many times and you can't remind yourself of Mm. the importance of that in our lives too many times. It is the most important thing about leadership. It is. It does. And it, it's, it starts with you. I, I always say, David, there's, and a lot of what we educate on is three-dimensional leadership, which is leading self, leading and influencing decisions and leading others. But in that order, you, you need, you need to be, to be leading yourself and, you know, that whole self-regulating, knowing, learning, growing, all those things. And you're right. We could, we could talk about this forever. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that, those, those three dimensions that you're talking about, leading yourself, you know, and, and that I've heard them in lots of forms, but it could be leading mm. self, leading individuals or leading teams or leading self, leading your team, leading your organisation, yeah. whatever whatever it is. But it's so, it's so often we see people who are trying to improve as a leader, they skip the first bit because yeah. it's much safer to think about how you lead other people because you can include someone else in that. You can, if if you need to force others, even if it's just in your own mind, to take some of the blame for how well this isn't going. That's There's someone right. else involved. So, you know, so often we talk about leading self and people just skip right past that bit yeah. and think about how do I delegate to others? How do I be an okay manager to the mm. people who are around me to get stuff done? And as you've pointed out, and I've already said, you're missing the most important bit. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is you. And it's, I think some people, you know, I, I've done a bit of work on the barriers to self-leadership and I think something you just touched on, you know, you've got to do the work. You've got to know yourself. You've got to have a purpose. You've got to have your values aligned and and want to lead. You know, I'm very big into leading, you know, leading logically, leading from the heart, leading from intuition and really having what, what I call um, headset, heartset, skill set. And bringing those three in, and I think you, 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 we we do a lot a lot of work around self leadership, and it's it's interesting not just with emerging leaders, but probably more so with people that are more senior because they they're moving through, they get caught up in the doing, not the being, and you correct it's all attention out instead of attention in, mm. which which is so so crucial. Do you have any tips, you know, and I, I believe even if you don't have a team, you're a leader because you're a leader of yourself and you're a leader of your life. And you see, we, we see them when we walk into organisations, they don't have a team, but they stand out. Mm, um, absolutely. Do you have any any sort of key key tips around self-leadership for, for leaders or anyone listening out there, our, our audience is predominantly leaders and, and business owners? Any, any key sort of tips to just touch on self-leadership or something to Look, think about? I, I do. I, I could speak for hours on this topic. It's, it's one of my favourites. <laughs> you might have to have a part two, David. Yeah, we might have to. <laughs> but look, one, one of the things, one of the tips that works for me, and it may not work for everybody, but if, if you're looking for inspiration in this space, this might work for you and you might be repelled at first, but I live my life by rules. And I, I had a wonderful guest on my podcast a long time ago. I can't even remember the episode, but it was down in the, in the double digits. His name's Craig Ballantyne. He yeah. wrote a fabulous book that's all about 
um, structure sets you free. That's not the title of the book, but that's the concept of the book. And he really mm. helped me put labels on things I think I was already pretty much doing. And, and since then, it's sort of empowered me to be a lot more explicit about it in my life. And I live my life by rules. And it really is true because that sounds a little bit jolting at first or jarring, but actually, you know what? Rules set me free. I'll yes. give you an example of some of the rules I live my life by. I only eat junk food on Saturdays. That That is it. I don't agonize over it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, or Friday. The decision is made. There's the, the fridge that's full of ice cream and the cupboard <laughs> that's full of chocolate and lollies. Do not tempt me Monday mm. to Friday because that is that decision has been made. I have a rule and I can't remember the last time I broke that rule. It's just really easy to live that way. I have another rule. I love swimming. And yeah. it's really important to me the, to, to swim for the, the way I feel physically and my mental health and the, the, the friends that I have around swimming. And, you know, I have a rule that says that if I go to bed and plan on swimming in the morning and my squad starts at 5.15, yeah. I, I never not go. Yeah. The last and, and I made this rule a long time ago. The last time I didn't get up and go swimming at 5 o'clock in the morning when I had committed to go was in 2012. Wow. Because I just have yeah. that as a rule. I don't agonize yeah. over it. When the alarm goes off in the morning, I don't think, oh, did I sleep okay last night? I mm. know that when it's all weighed up, the most valuable thing for me in my day at that moment is to get out of bed, put my feet on the floor. And that's the hardest thing about getting up to go swimming at five in the morning yeah. is putting my feet on the floor. And once I've done that, the rest of it just flows. Yeah. I know that there is no amount of sleep in that will make up for everything that swimming in the morning gives to me. Mm. So they're two of the rules I follow. And I'll give you a third. I don't watch TV. I only watch TV that excites me. So yeah, that's I, one of mine. I, I will never sit and just sit through a show that I'm not really into or watch something because my wife's watching it. I, I've, I limit very narrowly what I watch on TV um, yeah. to things that I'm really excited about. And the rest of the time, I simply go into another room and read a fabulous book, yeah. whatever it might be. And that, and that sorts out two of the really important things in my life in one go, not wasting my time mind numbingly mm. watching, you know, whatever it might be. Someone I else's a whole life. Bunch of shows. Yeah. Someone else's <laughs> life. Or the news. I, uh, yeah. Or the news, which is depressing and, and is, is, is circular. I spend that time enriching my, my, my mind with really valuable literature or nonfiction work. Yeah. So they're three of the rules I live by. And, and, and like I said, you know, that's just one tip and I could speak for hour, hours on this, but if, if you're someone who, who suspects you're not doing a good enough job of leading yourself. And you'll know that because you're not achieving your goals or you don't have really clear goals or you break promises to yourself regularly. Yeah. Then my, they, if you will remember again, one thing from this, it is that leading yourself is important. And a really good way to do that is to live your life by rules and don't ever break those rules, set them up so that they directly are pointed towards the goals, the things you want to achieve in life and be absolutely relentless yeah. in applying those rules in your life. Absolutely. I just love that. And it's, it's discipline, but it's finding a compelling reason to do so. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit the same. I've got pretty strict rules or I call them boundaries, same sort of thing. And then I build habits around those to and jealously protect the time to do those things. Um, and I, I just think that's so, so important. And yeah, you're right. I mean, if you can't do that for yourself, how can you help instill that in others, right? And and how can you expect people, and, and if yeah. we're talking about being a leader at work, how can we expect people to follow us yeah. if we are clearly not leading ourselves very well? I mean, yeah. if you turn up to meetings late, if you turn up to work late, and I'm not talking about being a slave to nine to five, I'm, turn, I'm no. talking about turning up when you've committed to turn up Going and when up. your team needs yeah. you. If you don't get your stuff done on time, if, if you don't, if, if you're snappy and, and not in control of your moods and your emotions, if you are, are, are not looking after yourself well physically, mm. if you're not healthy 
And if there are glaring kind of traumas in your life, whether it's emotional or physical or intellectual, how can you possibly expect people to follow you? Because you're not even leading yourself. And I know that I don't want to be led by someone who is not even leading themselves. And we all make that decision, whether it's conscious or subconscious, we make that decision about people who are trying to lead us who clearly aren't leading themselves. Yeah, and it, and it stands out and it, it almost comes back, it's a bit cliche, but lead by example. I, I, have a, I have a question, David, I always ask myself and my team and it's, you know, what, what are the expectations of me? What are their expectations of me and themselves? And there's got to be an alignment there. So I think it's, yeah, looking in the mirror first, you know, getting on track, having direct direction and discipline around the things that matter and, you know, I love the old um, Brene Brown saying around all this sort of stuff. It's what's okay and what's not okay and stick to it and create a system to achieve that. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. Yeah, self-leadership, I think I think it is getting missed a lot out there. I, I noticed last year running a lot of programs, we, I mean, we obviously start with self-leadership and go into it, but it is amazing how many people just sort of go, what is that? They haven't heard of the concept. They haven't stopped. Mm. They've they've been good in a job and then they've just been given a team and just assumed now it's all outwards. Yeah. You know, how do I just learn the principles of leadership? But to me, that's I always look at self-leadership. My hubby's a builder. I do a lot in construction and building, so I use a lot of building analogies. But self-leadership to me is is the is the slab when you pour, you know, when you're building mm. a house. Um, you can you can get a house up in six months, but it won't last the test of time. And I think self-leadership, you need that base, but you need to constantly and ongoing, you know, ongoing, you need you need to be making sure that's solid. Mm. You know, good analogy. I yeah, I think that's important. You know, on a, a conversation when I when I was on your podcast last year, we talked about, you know, the gifts in thing, the lessons in things. And I I really believe any success we have in or out of work in life or any challenge we face, I think there's always a gift in it if we're open to it. Mm. I I don't think everything happens for a reason. I think everything happens for a lesson, although, you know, it's not always right in front of our face. If you look back, um, David, and and you're not old (laughs) in saying that. Pretty old. No, you're not. I think I might be older than you. Um, If you you look, look, looking back, and you mentioned that a bit earlier, you know, um, joining the dots, looking back, what's what's without all the nitty gritty, but what's what's something that sort of happened that taught you a lesson that's really helped you progress forward, and also I guess helped others. I don't know, you know, there's so many I guess, but I'll, I'll tell you one yeah. that, that jumps out at me. And I, I was a deputy principal in a school that was a, you know, it was a really nice school, it was a nice community, and I was new, so I only spent a year at this school wow. and. And I don't know if you know, you know much about the way primary schools run, but deputy principal is probably the toughest job in any school. I mean, you yeah. get no, your phone never rings for a good reason. You get all the stuff that the principal doesn't want to do. It's a pretty tough job. You know, it's not a bad job, of course, but it's a pretty tough gig. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you're never done. You know, there, you, there's not enough time in the day to get all your work done. And, and I remember I used to sit there madly at, at the beginning of every day, covering playground duties and lessons and classes for teachers who were sick. And that was a normal everyday thing in a large school. Mm. Every morning, a, um, a, a teacher used to come and say hello to me. She was a salt of the earth kind of, you know, been around the school for a long time, really yeah. lovely lady. But she used to come and talk to me when I was super busy and I was trying to get these lunch, you know, these playground duties filled and, you know, maths filled and art class filled. But she'd always come and stand and talk to me about her weekend or her day or what her kids were doing. And I remember being so rude to that lady who never gave up coming to see me because I was busy and I was just trying to get stuff done. And I would sometimes just physically turn away from her and keep doing my work, kind of trying to send her a physical message that I'm too busy to talk to you. And that's more than 10 years ago now, but I actually still really regret it because that, that is forgetting what is most important about life. Now she was probably really busy as well. She was a fantastic teacher who had lots of work to do, but she took the time to come and see me every morning and talk to me as a human 
human being despite the busyness. And it's almost as though she was trying to teach me a lesson, but I just let the busyness consume me. And that's something that I'll never forget. And I've, I've given that as an example, a number of times when I've spoken, because it's such a powerful message that's stuck with me. And like so many powerful messages, it's something that I did really badly and I regret it. And it actually makes me cringe every time I think yeah. about it. Wow. And it's, and it is, it's, it's in context, isn't it? You, it when you look back now and it's the, the humanization, the, the connection piece and you're correct. She probably was as busy as you. And I think that's it. That's a great lesson, you know, to be present. I think connecting at a very deep level these days is rare. I think a lot of people are overconnected, if that makes sense. Mm, yes. Connecting with a lot of people at a topical level, not at what I call an essence level. Yeah, a very superficial um, level. And and and, yeah. and a lot of the connecting we do, of course, now is very fake. You know, we've, we, yeah. we hear ad nauseum about the fakeness of the life that someone portrays that they have on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, they're picking out the best bits. You're seeing... The highlights package of the highlights package. That's right. But it's human nature to kind of judge ourselves against that. And even if you're really aware of it, and someone who is who is cognitive of it all and socially aware, there's that part of our brain that's flicking through that's thinking, oh, geez, we didn't go to the beach this weekend. Oh, I don't like look that good at the mm. moment. Or, geez, they look like they're having a lot of fun there. And all I did was this today. You know, we're, we're judging ourselves against, as I say, the highlights of the highlights. Yeah. And we know that. So we, yeah. we are in a world in which we have a million superficial connections, yeah. um, but it's really incumbent on us as leaders of ourselves to ensure that we maintain and manage the really deep and important connections in our oh, life. To totally. That's a big, big, big belief and, and thing I live by, by David. And it even goes back, you know, to the listeners, you know, the Dunbar's metrics, you know, you're 15, you're 150, you know, they say we can only have 150 really deep and meaningful mm. connections. And you think of followers on LinkedIn and acquaintances and friends oh. on social media, it's become, I think a lot of conversations have become impulsive, not intentional. Mm. I remember, remember David early I'm trying to think now. I think it was 2019, the last blockbuster video store shut in Australia. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I was very aligned back in my corporate days with Mars. We, I looked after retail. So, and we all loved, you know, getting a video, choosing it, planning when we'd hopefully get it back. <laughs> um, and, and I sort of, and then now we've got streaming, we can choose the end of a movie on Netflix, this instant gratification. And I think I've, in the leadership world, I use that analogy a bit that we've gone from teaming conversations to streaming conversations. Mm, yeah. Um, and and just, just impulsive and not intentional and being present. And I, I love the, the, the saying around put people before process and progress and the magic happens. Hmm. Hey, um, you, you reminded me of another thing that I've been noticing yeah. lately in our online world, and that is how disengaged people are in regular meetings now. I don't know if you if you yeah. experience much of the regular kind of, you know, mm. day in, day out meeting stuff, but people, you know, we, we have so many of our meetings online now and people are just doing other stuff. You, I mean, it's very clear when someone is, when you're working on something or reading emails on a call, oh. it's incredibly obvious to everyone. I, I don't know who we think we're fooling. <laughs> you're fooling zero people, but it, it, yeah. it just, it, it, it's grabbing me at the moment as I look around at the, the level of disengagement, essentially people are only paying attention when they're talking or yeah. when they're directly being spoken to. The rest yeah. of the time, it seems as though there's been this creeping effect and we've landed on this unspoken rule that you can just be doing other stuff. Oh, now, or, we know that you can't, you're not listening effectively. No. And I think unless organisations address that really directly and make it a really important part of the way that they meet, and I'm not talking about making a rule or, 
no. or punishing people. I'm talking about a level of awareness with the team that we're losing an opportunity to engage with each other here. Yeah. And I know that that's something that I'm going to be really active on now that we've entered the new year. I think it's a great time to have a fresh start with this type of thing and just get rid of those habits. Acknowledge that they're habits yeah. that have creeped in through the COVID period and address them really explicitly because yeah. if they if they're left unaddressed it will just go on and on oh. and and if you could measure and quantify the amount of lost time due to oh. people not paying attention in meetings now i think we uh, the, the the top of our head will blow off oh totally and and the unnecessary meetings i mean that's a can of worms in itself right and, um, and, and it's a bit, and, and it's a bit of a vicious cycle because if people feel like they're in a meeting that's unnecessary, that's never productive for them, then they'll justify for themselves doing other stuff. But yeah. of course, the meeting's never going to be useful or productive or effective if everyone, except for the person who happens to be talking at that very moment, is totally get disengaged. Of course, it's yeah. an ineffective meeting. Yeah, no, I agree. And it even comes down to you know. We, we have expectations when we, when we run things to companies and we get pretty good engagement, but you're right. I think it's on the regular catch-ups mm. and the groups. And I think people do need to know it's not, it's not going unnoticed and even down to having, you know, video off. Mm. I, I remember la last year, David, there was a workshop and we, we, we sort of send out, you know, show up, have your video on. And I simply said, so those of you without your video on, you're lying under the table right now if we were in the mm. office yeah. and they all came on. And I, I wrote something on this recently and a few people went, that's right. I mean, normally they would be in the office. So mm. if you say oh, I'm not dressed for work, we'll be dressed for work, show up. We all know our physiology creates our psychology and the way we show up. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's, definite, it's definitely something we've been doing some work on as well because, you know, this virtual world's not going to go away and we need to embrace it and harness it and maximise the connection through it because it, it can it can be amazing um, if people are paying attention. And I think a big tip for some of the listeners out there that we've been giving is, you know, at times if you don't need to be on a screen, make a phone call. Yeah. There's a bit of that. There's an overuse. You know, I say if you don't need to share a screen, do a walk and talk or have an open Zoom room and people can jump in if they need you. I do that with my team and it works. I'm doing work and if they jump on, I'm there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's like popping into your office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just call it my open open room and yeah. it's it's an hour and a half a week and jump on and it, it's not even always about work, you know, just be human, connect, talk about yeah. what's going on, how you're going with your homeschooling, you know, whatever it is. I think that's important. So... You know, we've got this thing across the world at the moment, the great resignation. I, I'm actually calling it the great rejuvenation. Yeah. Because I think the companies, shaking up the companies, people, organisations that are doing the right thing aren't facing this as much as the ones that aren't. And I think, you know, for those listening, there's a lot of factors behind it, lack of appreciation, recognition people want to travel they want to pay rise there's all of these different things what what are your thoughts what have you been seeing there's there's this sort of rejuvenation we very much feels like we're in a spring after a long winter in yes. terms of new projects and and new opportunities that are coming along so and that's obviously one of the elements of the great resignation i mean there wasn't wouldn't be a great resignation if there weren't jobs to go to. No, and that's, that's right. a fact about life. We know statistically Aussies are in debt up to their yeah. eyeballs, whether it's credit card debt, a house or, or, or a home loan. People don't leave work if there's no work to go to. And so that's, there's a really positive element to that. There's, there's a spring. And if you're in the contracting or consulting world, you'd be very well aware of this because yeah. your agency has probably called you a number of times in the last few months to ask you if you're looking because that's the kind of market that we, we've got. And, you know, there are the other things like the obvious people have had a taste of working yeah. from home. Yeah. And even if they had never done it before COVID, we've all done it now. And we, yeah. we can see the kind of balance that it can bring for our for, to our life. But of course, there's, there's the other side of that as well. And a lot of people who loved working from home a year and a half ago are starting to think, actually, I really like coming into the office some days a week as well. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't know many people who want to work from home 100% of the time. No. 
And no. I don't know many people who want to work from the office 100% of the time. I know a lot of people who want a really healthy balance of those things in their life. And I think that what that's what comes back to what we were talking about earlier, leading yourself. I mean, the, the idea of leading yourself puts yourself, you, you, you as a person at the center of, of your life. You're, you know, not just, not just your personal life, but the work that you do and the kind of leader that you are and all of those things, things like having a healthy balance in how much time we spend in the office and at home, having choices around that, having choices about moving jobs or roles or professions, if we want, that's all part of presenting ourselves in a, in a really healthy and positive way. So I I think it's all fabulous. And and the the changes that we've seen through COVID, except for the actual, you know, virus itself, There's a lot of things that we've experienced as a society that are really super positive, and that's the way I choose to yeah. interpret them, and that's certainly the way that I choose to extract lessons out of it. Yeah, I'm 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 the same. I, I think there's a lot of what I say, a lot of gifts in it, you know, and I think embracing those and using you know using those to build on where you are and what you're doing. And there's a lot too, David, around purpose, you know. Um, there's a, a quote you, you, you've got here around there are few things more important in life than discovering what makes you truly happy and then relentlessly pursuing them. Mm. And I think I love that because that I totally believe in that. And I think, or I believe I should say that there has been, and a lot of clients I've worked with more from a coaching perspective have just said, Renee, I love, love where I work, but not so much now. I want, I want deeper purpose. I, I want to do heart work. I want to make a difference. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it, it's, to me, it's, it's yeah, rejuvenating and it's awakening. I think it's an awakening, you know, um, oh, there's, no, there's no doubt that that word awakening is a really yeah. good one. I mean, before COVID was, you know, standing on the other side of COVID, I used to look at the workplace and think, well, th- there is going to be a massive change. I mean, this whole idea of us all jumping into our car and yeah. driving from the suburbs into this one location at the same time of day and battling <laughs> the traffic to get there and all go and rush to sit at a desk mm. and then largely do individual work for a lot of roles. Crazy irrational yeah. didn't make any sense and there needed to be a shake-up and yeah. COVID just happened to come along and yeah. open our eyes to that it was a bit like Plato's cave if you if you're into philosophy the idea yes. of watching the shadows on the cave wall as opposed to actually looking at the figures who were making the shadows mm-hmm. COVID was a bit of an awakening in in that way and the work example and working flexibility is just one of the the dimensions of that yeah yeah no I definitely agree I, and I love I love I love that that saying and I think uh, I'm a big fan of Robin Sharma and I love I love his quote around change and adversity it's 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 hard at the start so I look at that as last year you know, the year before last messy in the middle and beautiful at the end if mm-hmm. if you look for the things that can serve you and be and help you to be in service to others which to me is what leadership's all about Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm also a fan of Robin Sharma. In fact, I think he is the he's the author of the very first book I ever read on leadership, which was Leader Without a Title. Something that I still think about. I still have and it. Talk about very regularly. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic book. He's an energetic, bouncy little American guy, isn't he? Yeah, he he is. He comes across quite zen in his writing, but yeah. in the yeah yeah, I, I think things just amazing. And so who who. For you, David, who's a leader that you admire and why? Well, I I, I think I wrote in when you asked me these questions in writing, I I wrote a guy called Michael Sandel at the moment, just because I happen to be listening to his podcast and I'm currently reading one of his books. So I'm I'm a bit fickle in that field, but he fits the mold for me. He's a, he's a, a political philosopher and he fits the mold because he's a thinker. And he's yeah. incredibly articulate in both written and, and spoken form. And people who have that kind of level of thinking, you know, that that see the really big picture and the deep understanding that sits behind everything really impresses me. I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned before, 
um, rather, you know, just off the, you know, almost flippantly how depressing the news is. And it is depressing. Yeah. And there's so many things about it that is that are depressing and not least of which are political leaders. And I, I, I use inverted commas there or speech marks. Our political leaders who we, you know, if you watch the news, you're forced to see every night, yeah. you know, being untruthful, being slippery, being evasive, running agendas that they're clearly not willing to own up to, being motivated by things that they're not talking about. Mm. That is our example of leadership. And, you know, that's that's on the day-to-day media churn cycle level. People like Michael Sandel are able to step well above that. And yeah. give the big picture or the deep understanding, the the human thinking philosophy that sits, you know, almost, I, I keep saying above it because it sort of takes it all in and helps you understand it without, and you can never watch the news again and still understand yeah. it if you engage in in thinkers like him yeah. because... He, he helps you see the, the micro events for what they are and you're able to put them in perspective a little more. So for me, it's, it's thinkers. It's people who, yeah. who, are, who are brilliant cognitively and have an amazing ability to communicate and, and share their ideas. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. I, I've been, much to my mum's disgust since I was about 12, I've been on a news diet, I call it. <laughs> and when, when I wrote about the gift of optimism, that's one of the... 12 gifts of a gift mindset, you know, what, what, what skills get you through different things and how you can deepen and develop. And one of the, one of the tips, you know, from, from the center of optimism, you know, is, is all about, you know, control, you know, control what you can. And I, I always, I always think of anything that doesn't light me up or doesn't serve our thinking or even let us have our own thinking, mm. such as the news I call that a Chris Kringle gift, David. Mm, so mm. even the difficult, pe- the worst leader I ever had, I called him a Chris. That's when I came up with the concept, a Chris King- Kringle gift. You know, you ask for a bottle of aftershave and you get a pair of socks, right? Yeah. But just flipping everything they do and doing the opposite, I think can really, really, you know, keep you on track as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So being a limitless leader and I'll, you know, limitless leadership's, what 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 I believe in and what I've educated thousands of clients in. A limitless leader is a leader where there's no final destination, where they they learn so they think, they unlearn so they rethink, and they relearn so they refresh, if that makes sense. Mm. And and I think, you know, and we all know this, leaders that get to a point and go, I'm, I'm, I'm now the leader. I don't need to do any more development. I don't read. I don't want to learn. <laughs> I always say, you know, how can you grow others if you don't, you know, growing yourself and contributing to others? To be a limitless leader, and this is why I was really excited to have this, this conversation, I think, you know, you, you've got to be energetic. Energy is a big word for me. I, I I just think re-energizing energy. You can feel it. You can see it. What what do you think, or what do you focus on to keep yourself energized? You mentioned swimming, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look. I you know I I I do explicitly and and consciously think about the four domains of life: intellectual, yeah. physical, spiritual, and social. Yeah. Um, maintaining a, a healthy balance and, and growing in each of those domains. And I try and have goals and I, well, I don't try, I do have goals in each of yeah. those four domains. Uh, I do some of them better than others. My, my physical and, and intellectual, I, I feel very on top of that. I, I swim uh, very consistently and very passionately. I, I'm great at not watching rubbish TV, but reading fantastic books instead. My, my tr- my commutes are always filled with wonderful podcasts. Um, my own is is very rarely even on cycle because there are just so many out there. I very rarely even listen to my own podcast. There's yeah. just so much good content out there and I'm stimulated by that. Um, my relationships are, are, are very much focused on my family. I have three young kids and of course the relationship, like every domain in our life comes in waves and at the moment my focus is is on my immediate family because of the age of my kids and 
that is beautiful and I love it and yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. But I imagine there'll be a time later in my life where my friends are more important to me again, like they yeah. were a number of years ago before I had kids. Um, and, and spiritually, you know, for me, this is very much linked to the physical anyway. And I, mm. I, I talked about swimming, not just being a physical pursuit, but one of mental health. And yeah. that is my, my Zen time. That is my meditation time. I have never once in my life finished a swim, no matter how long and not felt great at the end. And yeah. that's not just physical, it's mental as well. So when you ask me about my philosophy or my approach there, it is to, to maintain the four domains of my life. And look, for anyone listening who knows me, you, you know, I don't get it right all of the time, but I'm working really hard and I'm working really consciously on it. And you talked about the fact that one of the quotes I wrote was about being really clear about what you like in life and then relentlessly pursuing it. Um, that's something that is, I'm driven by that mantra. And yeah. you know what? The things that make you feel best in life are usually the hard things. Yes. Another saying that I, another quote that I wrote in here, um, life is hard when you live it the easy way. Yeah. And life is easy when you live it the hard way. And totally. all of the things that are important to me in my life are hard. You know, it's hard getting out of bed at five mm. in the morning and swimming four Ks. It's hard doing really long ocean swims. It's hard looking after three kids all the time in, in everything that they need. That, that is difficult. The reward is infinite bigger. and the reward is so much bigger than how hard mm. it is. But it, all of those things, and it's hard to, it would be much easier for me to sit on the couch and watch rubbish TV than to turn it off, walk into another room and pick up a quality book and, yeah. and, and work at reading that book. But of course, at the end, the, the reward from reading a stimulating piece of literature compared to watching the housewives of Melbourne. Gosh. I mean, the, the, the gap is, is infinite. Yeah. Can't even compare those two. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's, so that's the message, you know, it's that it's, it, there's a number of rules I live by, but you know, one of the things that I'm very conscious of that I do as almost a relief, I'm stuck between two choices. Yeah. I take the hard option. Because it is almost always the better outcome. Yeah. And there are times where that's not quite right. But but most of the time, if I'm really stuck, I just say, well, what's the harder, what's the harder one? What's the one that's going to take more from me, demand more of me? Because invariably that has the better outcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, my philosophy is very, very similar. And I think you're right. That doesn't all the the hard option's not always the right one, but it is the majority of the time. And I think I know the times if I haven't chosen the harder one, I always think about it. Mm. And I always think if you're thinking about something enough, there's something in that, right? It's, mm. it's, 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 it's reaching out. You know what, you know what the answer is. And, and it's, That's and it's, right. and it's the fact that you're just looking for the path of least resistance that even makes it a question in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. Oh, we could talk all day or all night, I should no, say, but I won't do it yet. Let's um I've got some quick trivia. I always ask my guests, what okay. is your favorite word? Oh, well, I wrote quintessential and I really like it because it sounds so cool it and it's does. got a really great meaning. And, it, and it's one of those fancy words that you, that you actually can use quite regularly, but I'm always a little bit aware that maybe some people don't know what it means and I might sound like a total douchebag, but I do like it because it's poetic and rhythmic and it's got a great meaning. Yes, love it. The perfect okay. example of something is quintessential. Essential. Yeah, yeah, it's... Mine's been a new word that I found a few months ago. Dis I couldn't I couldn't describe coming in and out of like back to face to being in Melbourne, back to face to face, and you know, New Year, no lockdowns, and then obviously last year we had four months in in Melbourne, discombobulated. Oh, good word, yeah. It's there's a, something there's something poetic about it that though. word. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say it anymore though. My husband's like, I don't want to hear that word again. Um, so what sound or noise do you love? Well, I love the background murmur of a large crowd at the cricket. You know, that hum, it's the sound of summer and yeah. I love cricket anyway. I love watching cricket, but it's also fabulous to have it in the background. And I wonder if it's an emotional trigger because of course, yeah. when you're a kid, you've got six weeks off 
in summer. I reckon and, it's an anchor. There's yeah. an anchor in you with that maybe. And, you know, and, and, I, and I doubt whether people will have that going into the future because when you and I were kids, Renee, mm. there were four TV channels yeah. And you, you know, pretty much every household had the cricket running all through summer because there wasn't much else on, and there were only a couple of other it's channels so true. to it choose was on from. In the background, it's but fun. now it's only real fans of cricket who will actually watch the cricket because for everyone else who aren't true fans or only like cricket a little bit, there are so many other options for them to entertain themselves. They're not likely just to have the cricket running in the background. But for me, I love the sound of cricket because it is about cricket, but I yeah. also love it because of those emotional connections to endless summers as a child. I love it. I love it. And it's all, it's it's the Australian way, isn't it? Sort of. It is. It is. It well, is. Yeah. It used to be. Yeah. It used to be. Who knows, hey? If you had one last meal, what would it be? Look, this this is an easy one. It would be steak and apple and ice cream for dessert. So I literally mean a great big steak and yeah. cut up apple. And okay. I, I say that, so <laughs> my wife and I have been married about 10 years. But before I was married, I, I for years, and when I was a bachelor cooking for myself, I would literally have the same meal every night. And it was cut up apple and steak. It's easy to cook. There are very few things to wash up at the end. It's ex- really healthy. It's a great diet. So do you put and- the apple, I have to ask this, and I knew there'd have to be a bachelor story in that, mm. in, that in that meal. Yeah. Do, do, do you cut the apple up and have it on the side like a salad or on top of the steak? No, no, it's not mixed. Yeah, on the side. And if you put it on the same plate as a steak, sometimes the the juice from the steak runs into the apple and that's not so great. So (laughs) ideally I'd have a separate bowl, but of course that's one more thing to wash up. And that's a factor as as a a single man. So that I probably used to just let it sit on my plate and let the juice run into it. But, and, and one of the other features about me, and I'm still like this, I could eat the same meal every day. I I have that when I'm by myself for work, you know, at lunch, I I have the same lunch every single day. Um, I'm I'm very routine like that. And I, and I don't need the variety of diet, of course, at home with my wife and kids, normal human beings seem to like variety in their nightly meals. Uh, Whereas if, left to my own devices, I, I would have the same meal every night. Take an apple. Love it. Absolutely love it. My passion out of out of work, David, is cooking. Oh really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I that I don't watch TV, I cook. But then it's my meditation. Yeah. But savory. Give it a savory. Run. I hate recipes. I don't like process. And recipes really, if you follow them, they're gonna work out. So I don't bake. Yeah. But say curries, everything, Italian, French by taste. Um so that's my 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 little thing is yeah really different stuff every night like it's that's my creative outlet I think it's interesting steak and apple I'm gonna try it give it a go it's what amazing it contrast well you, you think pork chops with apple sauce right mm, it's not that crazy no 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 I'm saving you it's easy <laughs> what profession other than what you're doing right now would you like to attempt? Oh, look, I wouldn't mind being a radio presenter. I think that would be fun yeah. because they've got a good gig. They sit in an air-conditioned studio. It's pretty comfortable and they talk to people all the time. And I really enjoy talking to people. I love having conversations that are about something with a purpose. And I, I probably love being the boss of the conversation as well, which is probably why I have my own podcast because okay. I get to be in charge. So yeah. I like that kind of thing. I think that would suit me to a certain extent. I've never done... I was going to say I've never done anything like that, but of course I've had a podcast for five years. So I guess it's kind of like that, but being live on the radio, I think is super cool. And, you know, as, as much as like everyone, I find it painful to listen to myself speak. i get a lot out of it. You get Mm. so much out of listening to a recording of yourself speaking and the skills you're able to hone, the bad habits you're able to eliminate out of the way that you speak are really powerful. And I think a radio presenter would have a million opportunities to do that. So it would just extend that love I have for verbal communication as well. Love it. Love it. Let's do a radio show, I say. (laughs) I'm a bit the same. I think, yeah, just conversations and, and, and just, really free conversations as well. I think too, too often, you know, and this, this is, this is in and out of work. 
you know, people tend to ask a question and then get your answer and just go to something else instead of delving deeper. Mm. And I think that's a key, just, you know, shape your next question based on the response of the one before. I think that's a really key communication tip that that often gets missed. And as you would know, as a podcast host, that's one of the keys yeah. to being a good interviewer, not going in with your list of questions and just running through it relentlessly. And you don't do that. You listen to what I say and, you're, and you might ask follow-on questions, but you do hear in podcasts sometimes oh. or radio shows or TV, even, even on TV, people have just got some questions and no matter what the guest says, no matter how interesting, they might admit to a murder, but the, this guy, the, the, the presenter will just go on to their next question and totally miss yeah. that opportunity to have a fantastic conversation. So totally. yeah, the, the, the power of verbal communication and engaging with someone is, is so important. I mean, everyone listening knows that, but you, you, you can never stop learning in that space and becoming more effective and more engaging. Yeah, definitely. And I, th- I think it's, yes, yeah, scattergun questions. And in leadership, it happens a lot, you know, I always say, David, it's like when you bump into somebody in a shopping centre and they go, hi, David, and you go, good. <laughs> but, but we're always think, thinking ahead. I, I got asked recently why my favourite colour is teal and it has been since I was a child and there's a really interesting story behind it. And, and I said, I've always loved it, you know, since I was a child. And he goes, that's great. Now, bang into something else and and that story was what the interview was meant to be about you missed the chance so what is the story renee why do you love teal how how long have we got well (laughs) i've got um i can see your book in the background is teal yeah teal's always been my color since i was a kid but about two years ago a great a cousin of mine was going through some archives of all the stuff from my family when they came my dad came over from italy when he was two and one of the first first sort of um, immigrants to come in. And my grandfather was a shoemaker and I'd seen this when I was a kid but had forgotten about it. And basically he was a shoemaker in Italy, high-end shoes and had a tannery. And this, and listeners, you can't see this out there, but we might put it in the show notes. This was a little piece of glass that was projected up at the cinemas to advertise his business. Oh wow! And I'm a shoe shoe holic, David. I'm short. I'm five foot two, so shoes fit. I don't have to alter. So I love shoes. That's my excuse. But um, teal wasn't a colour. I'm an ex-marketer. Teal wasn't a colour in 1943, and I've been exposed to that colour. I don't know what's in it, but there's a lot more behind it. But since I was a child and it's been in my dad's businesses, he was an entrepreneur in the seventies. He's no longer with us, but there's, there's so much story behind it and the, and, and how we. emotional connection for you there. It's like it, it's connected. It's, it's mm. bizarre. But so all I got to say was, yeah, I liked Teal as a child. Boom. Yeah. He moved on. Yeah. Yeah. Poor verbal communicator. Yeah. And listener, you know, the whole. I think sometimes people speak to be heard, not to connect, unfortunately. But, um, David, thank you so much for for being on the show. I've absolutely loved our conversation. How do people find you and your podcast? Look, you can, you can, you know, sit outside my house, I guess, if you're really looking to find you, you could just stalk outside of my house. You could stand outside the local pool or come by at some point. But if you're looking for my podcast, you can just search for the Team Guru podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, you can come to our website, which is teams with an S dot guru. Yes, that's right. Dot guru, not dot com or anything like that. Teams with an S dot guru. Um, the pretty much, um, you know, the, the, the main thing I put out is a podcast every second week, like clockwork on a Thursday, every alternate Thursday. Um, apart from that, I don't do a lot in the way of tweeting. I don't create YouTube clips or anything like that. I probably should do all of those things. I don't even write as much as I should. I should write the occasional piece and put it, if nowhere else, at least on my own website. But 
you know, the busyness of life. I wonder if 2022 will see me do a bit more writing. You know, I probably won't because I haven't made it a solid goal. No, I, I was going to say. I haven't put any rules around it. So in, yes. it's pro- almost certainly not going to happen, which would suggest to me it's not that important to me right no. now. And I'm happy with the balance of those domains in my life. Yeah. So that's where you can find me. And the most worthwhile thing to pursue in terms of me is my podcast. My podcast yeah. is not about me. It's about my guests, guests like Renee, who came on the show a little while ago. I have fabulous guests, mm. most of whom have just written, written a book on something to do with leadership, um, whether it's communication or leading yourself or any of the huge range of topics. And that's why my podcast is so good because I have such great guests. And, you know, here's, a, here's something that you already know, Renee, people who have just written a book fabulous to interview because it's all front of mind to them it just their tongue so easily and that's one of the reasons my podcast works yeah and it's 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 an amazing um podcast and we'll have all the details in the show notes so thank you so much david again thanks to everybody out there listening wherever you are in the world as always we love your feedback any guests that you'd love us to interview or any topics you'd like us to delve into. Um, As you're listening to this, we are launching the second 90 days of our Limitless Leaders Connection, which is a 90-day program where you meet like and unlike-minded leaders from different industries, where we have a masterclass face-to-face, a mastermind that's virtual, a master mentoring session, and then a master you where you get some one-on-one focus. So, you just go to reneejeruso.com programs. Um, you'll get all the details there. Thanks again. Stay safe. Thanks again, David. My pleasure. It was great, Renee. Thank you. You've been listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast, leading from the inside out to develop limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams, and organizations. To find out how you can accelerate your mindset, your communication, collaboration, and connection to become a limitless leader, sign up for our Limitless Leaders Podcast series at www.renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. That's renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. 